This is CJSF 90.1 FM Burnaby, the campus community radio station of Simon Fraser University. We stream online at cjsf.ca. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter and listen to podcasts of CJSF programs on SoundCloud at soundcloud.com slash cjsfradio. Welcome to Essential Conversations. I'm Rebecca Mears with my co-host, Luca Halex. Well, we come to you this week, starting with a few thoughts that are foremost in our mind and wondering how exactly they're going to connect up with each other today. But we have a sense that they will because they always do with us. (laughs) Well, and we come from this place of curiosity and of not knowing. Yeah. Um, in the in the um, in the faith that by the time we get a little further into our show, we will know more. We'll be able to see some kind of pattern emerge out of this, and I think that's very much to do with what's going on on our planet right now. That that none of us really can name what it is that we're going through, except very generally, and and, and that we're having to stay very present in the moment and open to and curious about what it could be. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So my thoughts as I was preparing to come and and meet with you, Luca, today, I was observing uh, some videos, some direct words of people who are being impacted by the almost innumerable fires around BC that are happening right now. The number of evacuation alerts, evacuation orders, the number of communities that are that are being actively decimated by the fires that began with our first heat surge, you know, a month and a half ago. And where immediately afterwards, Lytton, the entire town just burned down to ashes and it's just continued. It's just snowballed. And we we know that this has it, it just travels around the world now in terms of who is in summer and who's in winter yeah whoever's in summer is burning well yeah i have a friend who's in greece right now and greece is burning up greece is on fire and so this phrase was just and then i was thinking about afghanistan Mm. afghanistan and and what is currently happening with the taliban just moving in just sweeping through almost like a wildfire Mm. taking over yes fleeing trying desperately to to evacuate those who do not align themselves with this uh, um paradigm of government yeah. and, of, and of living and mm. the phrase the world is on fire the world mm. is on fire is just resounding with me right now and yeah. yet I'm feeling personally so removed from it in this moment mm. I want to express thankfulness and gratitude for that but I don't even know if that's necessarily appropriate it's more a, mm. an awareness of it isn't happening to me right now but a sense that yeah. everything that is happening is going to come around. This is well, and it's happening to my planet. Yeah, my yeah. planet, and it's happening to my planet, my country, my province, mm. my my um, 
continent, right? Yeah. It. Uh, so we're. What do we? What? What do we do with that? Um, and maybe on all the different levels. Like, are there? There may be. There are some people who immediately react on a practical level. They they send supplies. They send money. They uh, take people into their homes. They that that's their. Um, that's their their go-to place, right? Um, other people pray. Um, some people um, help to mobilize um, legislation that will help to and and do things on an organizational and on a much a much bigger sort of meta level. Um, it, you know, it's and it's about I think finding where's that place for us. Where's the place? where we feel empowered to, to, from which we feel empowered to act. Mm -hmm. And there were some things that are at the forefront of your mind today as well, right? And this is where we're, well, yeah, where do these things intersect? I was, I've been reaching out, this has been my week for reaching out and reconnecting with people who've been on my mind or who I, from whom I have not heard for a little while. And and do I like actually doing something about it? And so I was just talking to a childhood friend of mine in, in Germany who's, um, whose husband is a politician and who has just been um, uh, assigned to accept, has accepted a new role in, in the former Yugoslavia, um, the Bosnia, Herzegovina, whole, um, the Balkans what we used to call the Balkans. And, and so it's, and that's, and it, but it's coming through the screen of, of his wife who is, so it's a personal level, right? What are her personal observations? And I think that for all of the um, people who are shaping uh, the, our policies in this world and our economic initiatives and, and um, the, 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 the programs that are put in place to to deal with the crises of the world. There's there's a very personal side of that also, and we don't always get to hear that. Right? It's not it's not practical for a politician to come out and talk about what their work is doing to them personally. That's the kind of their memoirs, mm -hmm. but it's there. It's it's that like you were you were saying that you have you have two close connections of yours whose homes are under threat at the moment because of the fires. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we we all know people who are dealing with the fallout from uh, COVID, um, whose whose families have been impacted by it. Although, thank goodness. Um, we haven't experienced it personally, um, but that doesn't mean that the ripples aren't coming into our lives from, from that. Mm -hmm. um, and I was talking to a, another friend of mine in, in Germany this morning, whose, um, whose, whose life decisions have been impacted by being um, restricted in terms of his movements. Uh, and, and he's, he's Swedish American and has lived in many different countries over, over his adult lifetime and his childhood as well. But he's, he's being held in one place. He can't, he can't get out 
because of the travel restrictions. Mm. Um, and and that's, a, that's impacting him personally, but it's also impacting him economically um, and, and all the people with whom he interacts. So you can see the domino effect of what goes on in one part of the world. Um, it, sort of the dominoes fall over across borders into other parts of the world. So we're, so we're dealing with that. And we're also dealing with aging. Like I was the, the friend that I was talking to this afternoon was talking about her aging mother. And my mother is also aging. Um, your parents are a few years behind mine. Um, but, but, you know, what is it, what is it like to age in our society? And I was also reading uh, Gabor Mate's book, I just started it today, the, the book called um, uh, When the Body Says No. Uh, this idea that um, physicians are trained to uh, take the body apart, to treat it like a car mechanic treats parts of the, of the body, um, uh, parts of the engine or parts of the car, and we're talking about parts of the body, but Gabor was saying at the, in the, in the forward to the book, he was saying that they did not have training, nor was it the norm for physicians to sit down and talk to their patients about what's going on in their lives during and just before, um, or in their lives in total up, up until they have these symptoms that nobody knows how to deal with. Mm. So they go in and they deal with each of the symptoms. They deal with the pain, the pain management, and then they, they go in and they deal with physiotherapy they put in to deal with bringing the body back up to a, a point where it can support itself. And, but, but he said, nobody's getting the story from the person that will, that will make sense of right. why all of these symptoms right now. Right. And that. Again, kind of in alignment with the everything's on fire. Um, I just looked at a a short video this morning that uh, our mutual friend um, from a group that we've engaged in an entrepreneurial group had posted that was about um, myeldesic encephaly, I believe is what it's called, ME. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm not sure that I'm saying that. In the UK, they call it the meat disease. The meat, yeah. Uh, encephalitis or something like that but basically this is it was giving stats which I had not heard before of the number of people that are impacted by this and the severity of the disability that it brings yeah yeah this functionality and so it's more so the impacts of of having ME are greater than um, MS and And the quality of life, the, the physical impacts, they were likening it to AIDS patients two months prior to death. It's equal to yes. their experience. Yes. And yeah. I mean, this, this is stunning, stunning mm-hmm. reflections on something that so many millions of people are, are impacted. It was one of a collection of autoimmune diseases, right? Yes. And yet there is only uh, 1% of the funding um, compared to say mm-hmm. MS is being spent mm-hmm. on researching ME. Uh, yeah. It's just not, and, and we've, we've know from our mutual friend that, that it's not, it's when they go to a doctor, which is so difficult to actually achieve when you are in this yeah. much disability. Yeah. Um, yeah you can't even get there. 
No, getting there is is something that's actually causing harm to the people mm-hmm. who are trying to find you know answers and relief, and yet they're yeah. being, they're being mapped out according to these symptoms, which don't. There's no scale. There's no measurement that's working. Mm-hmm. That's viewing these people as a holistic thing. With this is the phrase. Mm-hmm. Um, my it's like my brain is on fire. Is something that yeah. has been said by these people many yes many times yes. over, which is why it just popped back into my head. Mm. how do we navigate this the world is on fire Mm. luca in every literal and figurative sense i have clients that are just popping all the time and i'm reading articles about or or other posts by other therapists who who uh, it's it is territory that we haven't navigated i I want to say we haven't navigated it before, but then there's a little voice over my shoulder saying, but is that really true? Mm. I mean, we haven't navigated it. Is it really true that the world has not navigated this before? I don't know. And that deserves some reflection, Mm. but to how do you support someone when, when the existential question of will we get through this is not something to just reframe (laughs) and and find some peace and medication perhaps about like this is a very real question we're all actually like actually i don't know i don't know what this is going to look like yeah Yeah. Yeah. and so it's the need for patience with ourselves yes the fact that there is no proven path there's no di- yeah. there's no guidebook for this right now no. which is very distressing and yet humans have navigated most of history without a guidebook when they encounter major challenges and obstacles yeah. so that i would say is in our dna that somehow yeah. we can go back to our quietness of self and B. So we, we can't be responding to the capitalist structure of our society's dictates. Go out and work harder. You know, this yeah. is not this is not going to get us through this. Well, I, and we've talked before many times about the value of storytelling. Hmm. Um, and and I would say most of the guests that we have coming on to the show tell stories. They tell that we're asking them, we're inviting them to tell the story of themselves, of their essence, of their, of their passion, of what led them to where they are. Um, And yet we have, we have created a medical system where there is no room for someone to tell their story. We take a medical history, but it's a history of symptoms. It's not a history of the person. Right. It doesn't and, and and we give we give somebody 15 minutes for an appointment with their GP for illnesses that are an amalgam of many different um, systems that are not functioning optimally within the body or not that we can understand anyway. So we're not even giving ourselves enough time for the story of how did this how did this come to be? But I have a, a profound sense that one of our, our age-old ways of dealing with trauma, with uncertainty, is to go back to storytelling. We go at, we go to our myths and folklore and, and archetypes and 
that's where we go for advice, for wisdom, for solace, for reassurance. That there is something that's bigger than us. There is some sense somewhere. It makes something makes sense somewhere. Even if we have to really stretch to find it. But where does our storytelling go in our culture? I'm, I'm realizing as you're saying this, that this is why people are drawn to naturopaths. Even if they are very in alignment with science, medicine, the, the yeah. natural course of medicine, hospitals, institutions, doctors, but yeah. because naturopaths, now I'm assuming I actually haven't been to one, but from based on yeah. rel- relatings of all of the many people around me who have been, yeah. they hold space for the story. Yeah. So there's an expectation yeah. that we're going to take a holistic look here. Yeah. And I think that's the key word that it's holistic, that they're looking at how are all the systems working together? Mm-hmm. Um, and they don't, they don't deal in, and I've heard naturopaths say this, they do not deal in instantaneous solutions. No, this is not like we take a pill and, and it's within hours, it's going to work. Mm-hmm. This is, this is a longer term process and it's a longer term relationship that they have to build with their patient. Mm-hmm. So it is, it's taking more into account that, and, and um, a greater emphasis on the diagnostic process. Yeah. Because otherwise you don't even know if you're working in the right place and yeah. you don't want to mask symptoms because the symptoms give you information about what's really going on. Yeah, man. So we're, I think we're, we're at a, uh, a nexus in our, on our planet of, of I can, I can see it's like the turnkey moment when when we're going to begin to see we've run out of options in the old system mm-hmm. that work. Yeah. So now we are beginning to look into other systems. What, what other way can we come at this? Uh, because it can't hurt now because the ones that we've got are not working so great. Yeah. Right. And the people who are most desperate, are the, are the ones who are going to go looking outside of our existing system first, because they have to, because the system's not serving them. So I'm having a thought about how on an individual level, the volume of things that are, I'll just keep saying, using the phrase on fire, because it's just going to, it's there. It's an on fire day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's overwhelming and paralyzing and just dis- oh, it feels does not even come close to describing mm-hmm. the, the 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 despair that you can feel at the yeah. inability to make an effective dent on any yeah. of the stuff that's too big i'm thinking about how the solutions for the biggest issues around the world must be deep and massive shifts um, mm-hmm. on government level, on major corporation level, you know, paradigm shifting alterations to the way we go about doing things. Now, yeah. 
it's impossible for us as individuals, maybe impossible isn't the best word choice. It is overwhelming for us to try to mentally hold these big, the the massive changes that need to happen because of the despair and the paralysis. And yet, and plus they feel too big. They are, and they really are too big. big. And I think it's, I, I think it can be really important to recognize I cannot do something about this right now. I must lay it down. But at the same time, of course, we do have a sense of responsibility that we are in this boat that is sinking. We are on this planet that is on fire. And therefore, what is Mm -hmm. our personal link to participating and making it better? And it just occurred Mm -hmm. to me about how this feels like where our political choices, our votes Mm -hmm. with our money, like where do we purchase from, our votes for our energy, um, Mm -hmm. our time spent become our way of influencing that bigger picture. Whereas we actually need to be personally focused on whatever fire is in my world right here. Like we have to be really rooted in our community right now. We need to be looking out for each other. We need to be tending to our family and nurturing basic needs, food, shelter, (laughs) and, um, and taking care of the environment in our immediate vicinity, making wise choices about mm-hmm. that. But it's like, we need to shove those decisions up, but we need to be yeah. holding the people who can be making those decisions accountable. Like that's my influence over yeah. the stuff. Mm-hmm. This is where my thoughts are at right now. Yeah. I, I was, as I was reading this, um, this book I by Gabra Mate, um, in the forward, and I'm still in the forward. I've only got that far in it. Um, he was talking about a physician um, from Montreal named Hans Selye, who was writing about stress in the mid eighties, early to mid eighties. Um, and it was considered flaky, the kinds of things that he was talking about at the time. But I remember going to a, a luncheon that was part of a, um, a sort of a symposium um, in in the mid eighties, and I sat beside a man who was a a surgeon from New York. So I was in Toronto at the time, and we were eating our rubber chicken in this big <laughs> hotel ballroom. And I said, "What's your connection to this?" this um, presentation that we're seeing over lunch today. And he said that he was, he would go in and operate on people who had cancer and he would, his job was to cut out all the tumors. And he said, whenever he went into a body that was so riddled with cancer that he had to sew them back up again. And there really wasn't anything that he could do that when he went out to, to deliver the news to the family, what he would find out was that two to two and a half years before that, the person that he just had on his operating table had gone through some major, major emotional crisis in their lives from which they had not recovered. Hmm. And he said, once he began to twig that there was a pattern here, he started to ask about it. Mm-hmm. He started to go back to the families when there was, that's what he'd found in the body and say, what happened to this person 
around about two years ago. And he said that that information was not in a scientific um, research paper. It was anecdotal. Mm -hmm. But he said it was happening often enough that it had convinced him that stress plays a role in the uh, in the out of control advancement of disease. Mm -hmm. And, and he and he was curious about it, because this whole this whole luncheon was about was about stress and and was about stress in the workplace. But it was about people's life stress, because, uh, you know, you can't you can't divide a line down the person and say this part of you is work stress, and this part of you is home stress and, and assume that those things don't affect the body or the person's performance at work, or the person's ability to, to handle what comes at them at home, um, based on where the stress is coming from in their lives. And stress is one of those things that's perceptual, right? It isn't how much actual stress I'm under, it's how much stress do I feel I'm under. In other words, how much um, personal um, efficacy do I feel I have to, um, to impact what's going on to control it, to make choices that will alleviate it or make it worse or whatever it is. And that was, and I, and so I went away and read and he, and he was talking about Hans Selyuk. So I went away and found the book and read it. It's on my, it's on my, my, I've got a good, good reads account where I, where I list the books that have impacted me. And that's one of the books that's impacted me. Um, and so here we have Gabor Mate. He's 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 quoting it in the foreword to this book. So we're still talking about that. Now, we have a much greater appreciation now that stress impacts us in many different ways, much more so than than we had at the time that he wrote that book. And I'm not I don't I'm not even sure if Hanselli is still alive. He was. further along in his career at that time, but this, you know, we plant the seeds and even if they don't get a lot of water at the time, when we confront another wave of the things that are going wrong, and maybe it's even exacerbated by the time we confront that, that next third, fourth, fifth wave of it, then there is stuff that we can go back to and refer to and say, well, you know, we knew this, we, we talked about it back. Let's go back to that basic principle that was introduced that we, that we um, nullified at the time. Let's go back and have another look at it and see, is that, is that wisdom something that we can do something with now? Um, Because we know that, that, uh, um, well, I know that autoimmune diseases have stress and trauma underneath them. Like the, trauma is stress, right? Yeah. It's at the it's at the nth degree end of the of the stress scale, mm-hmm. um, and stress can be positive and negative. Um, one of the things that they they said because there were all these workshops coming out in the eighties about stress and the impact of stress. It was it was one of those you know it was the sexy buzzword of of that decade, mm-hmm. but. But, you know, getting married or buying a house um, is just as stressful as a divorce or losing a house. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it's a different kind of stress. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. So we're 
I think we have tools is what I'm saying. We have tools, but we have to go back and find them again. We have to dig them out from under the rubble and pull them back out and polish them up and have another look at them. Right. Well, I think it's time for a song. I do. Yes. Um, so I've picked a couple today. Both of them are mm-hmm. right in alignment with our <laughs> theme. So the first this one we're going to take a listen to first is called World on Fire by Sarah McLaughlin. Yeah. So let's have a listen. We'll be back in just a few minutes. World on Fire by Sarah McLaughlin.
was World on Fire by Sarah McLaughlin. Welcome back to Essential Conversations with Rebecca and Luca. Um, let's take a minute to ground in with where we are. <laughs> we live and work and burn on the unceded ancestral territories of the Squamish, the Tsleil-Waututh, the Musqueam, and the Coquitlam. And regarding the literal fires that are happening in our province right now, we are all coming face to face with the results of the lack of listening, the lack of paying attention, the lack of respect and honoring of the traditional methods that were used to keep these forests safe for thousands of years. And the people of the land knew how to manage this. We did not want to listen. We did it our way. And now we burn. Yeah. And the lyrics of Sarah McLaughlin's song, some of, some of them were just, I mean, this, I think this came out when I was in university and I remember it, but it wasn't a huge song. So it was, it took me a minute to remember, remember it, but, the words right now, the, it's more than I can handle. I'll tap into the water, try to bring my share. I'll try to bring more, more than I can handle. Bring it to the table. Bring what I am able. I feel like this is what's happening for the, my clients, my colleagues, my peers who are saying I'm, I'm breaking. We're mm. continually trying to bring more than I am able. Because yeah. the problem is so big, and yet yeah. we are cracking under that. And yeah. it's uh, this is where we have to send some things up to those who have more power and influence. We must require those who have positions of greater authority, require the, the businesses that are exploiting our planet to, to be held accountable and to change their ways, because we can't bring enough to the table to make up for these big systems that we've all become cogs in and that everything is now yeah. burning down around. I mean, I think that one of the most powerful things that we're coming to grips with now is that um, we cannot consider the planet as pieces. This yeah. is, we, we are a planet. We used to be able to think about things in terms of my city, my province, my country, but, but now we have to think of it as our planet um, and to see the interconnectedness of everything in the same way as we have to do with our bodies. I mean, if you, if you ignore something that's going on in your foot, you, you can't just chop your yeah. foot off and yeah. imagine that that isn't going to affect the rest of your body. And, mm -hmm. and I think we also live in a culture, a, a planetary culture, that disempowers people. And it's done on a, on a micro level every single day. Every time you negate someone, every time you tell them they're not enough unless they wear a certain kind of clothing or they behave in a certain way or they um, conform to a certain norm, then we are disempowering them. So when we ask everyone to bring to the table what they are able if we disable them, it makes it much more difficult for them to bring something to the table. So I think that on a micro level, 
we have to be, as we work with our family, our own families, our own communities, our own neighborhoods, we need to be empowering one another as much as we possibly can, because if we, if we are all more personally empowered, then that gives us great, greater, um, a greater ability to require that, to empower people further up the line to, to empower uh, our teams, to empower our governments, because there's going to be great courage required of everyone. Mm-hmm. And just because someone sits in a government position doesn't mean that that person isn't a human being who gets down and who, who feels hopeless and who, who has, you know, w- w- I was reminded today as I look at this on a political level that, that um, politicians too have um, groups of people around them, teams around them who are requiring certain things of them, who, who will support some things and not other things, who need to be convinced, who, who feel hopeless at times, who get angry. Um, th- these are all, um, they're, they're in our environment, whether you call it our emotional environment, our intellectual environment, political, financial, whatever it is. It's in our environment all the time. And so yeah. every time we open our mouths, we have to ask ourselves, is what I'm saying going to empower this person or disempower this person? Yeah. Is it, is it respectful? Does it build on who they are and who they have the potential to be? Or does it tear them down? Yeah. Um, and that, that's, the, that's the micro level that is such a profound part of the macro level. Um, and, and I remember, I remember learning about this in school, you know, it's this, the microeconomics and macroeconomics, they're connected to one another. Yeah. So, and, and the same thing is true of when you go into a doctor's office, that the first person who talks to you is already setting up the interaction that you're going to have with that doctor. Mm-hmm. That you're not just dealing with the doctor, you're dealing with everybody who's in that system. As you make the appointment, as you go in to talk, the, the government person who says, well, you ought to be able to have this conversation in 15 minutes, the, like, the, the labs you get referred to for tests, it's all part of the same system. Yeah. So the question for me is, how do I stay empowered when we're dealing with our world that's on fire? Yeah. You know, how do I stay positive? How do I not give up? How do I, um, how do I support my, my, those, those people in my family who are aging and those people in my neighborhood who are aging? How do I support the young people who graduate from school and can't find a job? Um, how do I support their decisions and choices right now? Um, th- this is all um, because we know the ripples go out and we all affect one another. How do we, how do we deal with that? My first instinct is to assess my values and do a, do a check-in with myself about are the values that I have that I'm orienting myself around 
through the point of view of all is well in the world and I want yeah. to go on my merry way. Um, mm-hmm. All, all with integrity and ethics and what have you. But what are my values? What are how? What are my choice points? What are my priorities? And yeah. do they shift? Do they change? If okay. I look at it through the lens of okay, things are on fire. So now, <laughs> what is my priority? Now, yeah. what becomes less important and yeah. not motivating? And stays within my value system. Yeah. I mean, there's the our, there's our values and there's the our behaviors that support those values or don't support those values. And, and, you know, if I, if I have certain values and I'm not acting to support them, I'm dissonant, right? This is going to create dissonance within me, which is going to be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so, I mean, I don't know that we go through our lives every day thinking about what our values are and maybe we need to, when our world is on fire, maybe we need to do that more. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, for instance, one of my values is, is individual freedom. Um, But individual freedom comes hand in hand with individual responsibility, right? I am, I can only express my, I can only be free to, to express myself and to make choices that I want to make as long as they are not infringing on other people's freedoms to do the same. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, so I can't consider one without, without the other. Mm -hmm. So when, when my, when the communities around me are on fire, then I have the freedom to ignore that, but I have the responsibility to help Mm -hmm. in whatever way I'm able. Now, how I help may also be a reflection of my values. It isn't that my value is wrong. It's no. it's how what what do I now? How do I express that? How do I interact yeah. with it? Yeah, I think it's time for our other song for today. Okay, and this one feels like it was one of the most obvious ones I could have ever chosen, which is "We Didn't Start the Fire" <laughs> by Billy Joel. So let's take a listen to this and let's remind ourselves. This is one of those. I'm thinking this song is one of those reminders of, okay, we haven't been through this, but there's a long history of humanity that has encountered devastating climactic political environmental challenges and morphed through it. I don't know how else to say it. <laughs> so let's take a listen. We didn't start the fire with Billy Joel. I can just And how about 
start the fire with billy joel welcome back to essential conversations with rebecca and luca we're talking about the world is on fire and how do we <laughs> respond um that song was meant to kind of give us the reminder of all that's been before things you know things didn't get how they are right now just from you know a few years of bad choices we're going on a couple centuries now of uh, not honoring or thinking ahead uh, how the impacts for this would be for um, indigenous peoples often refer to the seventh generation, right? Unto the seventh generation, we should be thinking, oh, well, we're not even thinking to the second generation. Like it's been 
I'm not even thinking to the end of my generation sometimes, you know? (laughs) Yeah. 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 Uh, And I also think that from what I know of my planetary history and geography, that this is not the first time that there have been massive climate changes on the planet. Mm -hmm. And, and so it isn't just that, I mean, we, we don't expect the planet to stay the same. Well, some of us expect the planet to stay the same, but I don't, I don't know that, that that's a realistic expectation. We know that the whole of North America used to be covered in glaciers and then the glaciers melted and receded and left lakes. And we know that, right? So we know there have been massive climate change changes. However, they're, they're, we're in a unique position now to be able to exacerbate that. But also we're in the unique position, I think, to be able to adapt and be more aware around how we handle climate change. Um, so, so instead of putting our heads in the sand and keeping on doing things the way we've been doing them. I think that we would be better served to use our imagination and our ingenuity, um, it, whether it's in terms of engineering or, or, or medicine or, or anything like that, to change the way we're living on the planet so that we don't make it worse and we adapt to the changes that are going on so that we survive. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean that's by we, I don't just mean humans Mm -hmm. because we're an interconnected ecosystem here. And if, and if I don't protect, protect the other living things on the planet, we won't have an ecosystem to live in. Yeah. So, you know, I was, I was thinking about um, the the film, uh, 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 documentary film that uh, David Suzuki made with his daughter. They went, they went, on a trip together in uh, around Europe and they were, they were talking to people who are doing things that are in support of the environment. They were looking for positive contributions to the planet. Mm-hmm. And one of the things they found when they were in the low countries that the Netherlands and Belgium and the countries that are below sea level is that there's, they're starting to build houses on pontoons now, which makes sense to me. If you, if you live in a place where if the dikes, Um, are compromised, you will be flooded. It makes sense to put your house on pontoons so that when the water goes back down again, you'll still have a house. We have the ability to build that way. We have the ability to build houses that can be, um, that that can have have neutral impact on on our climate. We can, we can, but why are we not doing that, right? Why are we not supporting that? Once we know what damage we can do and we have the technology and the science and the um, the wherewithal to do it differently, why are we not doing it differently? So so that to me is about we part of it is within our control and part of it is not, but but it, it, with with things that are not out of our control that are not in our control, why are we not doing what we can with the things that are in our control? And that's day by day. Do I disempower someone or do I empower them? And once they're empowered, 
can we not use that empowerment to influence the things that we do have an impact on? Mm -hmm. I'm hoping. So I'm an optimist, (laughs) self-professed optimist, but that doesn't mean that I don't see the reality of the situation. Yeah. You said something and it was before we started recording, you made a comment that I'd like to bring back up right now because I feel like it, it hooks in. You talked about how nobody can victimize you if you don't let them. And I'm thinking about that in terms of the bigger issues here right now. Mm-hmm. And what you were just describing was the proactive, what can we try that can meet this where it's at? Yeah. Rather than this was caused by this, 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 this. It's over to you. I will just sit here on my ash heap with my world crumbled around me because that is what is happening for a lot of people. It's not my fault and I shouldn't have to fix it. And And those things are true. Like this thing is that those things are true, but are they helpful? Do they move you forward? Do they move your family forward? Do they move this, this world forward? Like we have to start and many of us already are there. And so this is not to discount yeah. those who are, who are being active, but the entering into victim mode around this is not going to get us through it. <laughs> and, and I want to also recognize that there are times where we feel victimized. Yes. And we, and we, and we dip. My guide said to me the other day, cause I was, I was making some profound inquiries about all of this. And they said to me, when you doubt, you dip. <laughs> It's a vibrational thing. When I doubt, my energy dips, my my confidence dips, my resourcefulness dips. So every one of us goes into periods of doubt. Mm -hmm. And I think that's when we need to empower ourselves to one another to come back out of the doubt again and to not treat it like it's a place where we have to live. Mm hmm. We might visit it. We don't need to live there. Yes. And again, we come back to that grace and compassion that there's no roadmap currently for where we are no. going. Yeah. Um, all of the feelings will be real. Feelings are facts. Feelings are facts in the sense that they are, they exist. They are. Um it does not mean that they must always remain as they are. It does not mean that we must act based on them, but they are real. They're valid because they exist and yeah. we don't do ourselves or anybody else any, any help by telling them they shouldn't feel that way or I shouldn't feel this way or whatever, you, you yeah. know. Yeah. So you can't say don't doubt. Yeah. Feelings we take in stride, ups and downs are part of the process. Feeling broken, feeling despair, feeling hopeless. Pretty par for the course for where we're at right now. All of these things don't, don't, won't work by just being, you know, oh, they're there or, you know, knock on wood, everything will get better. It's that doesn't land Mm -hmm. anymore. And so grace and compassion with what is and Focusing on what is possible for our hands to do. Yes. Right now. Right whole, here. Right, right here. Right now. The whole of it is yes. too much. But we do need to keep that bigger picture awareness. 
for the people who have this power and influence in political spheres, in corporate spheres. And I don't want people in those positions who think like me right now, because I, ha- I it's too big for me and I don't have the power. No, we need diverse on my stuff. And so I need them to hold the bigger picture and to be making those key decisions that will impact all of it. Yeah. And on that happy note, <laughs> that not happy, but but positive and proactive note, <laughs> we wonder what's around the corner. Essential Conversations is brought to you courtesy of Luca Halleck's Power Sorcerer. And Rebecca Mears, Certified Coach. Increase your awareness, expand your options, empower yourself. Luca can be reached at www.lucahalleck.com. I light the fires that light a thousand more. Connect with Rebecca at catchingfire.ca. Yep, yep, yep. yep, yep, yep. Oh, happy, 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 happ